Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have an incredible guest, Mr. Dave Powers, who is a two-time Emmy Award-winning musician. Award-winning, not nominated, award-winning musician. And he shared some incredible stories of what it's like traveling across the world as a professional musician from Columbus, Ohio, to Florida, to China, of all places. So, hope you enjoy today's episode of Tell Us a Good Story. The story of my life, I take her home, I drive all night to keep her warm in time. It's frozen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are so excited, Steph, mm-hmm. about this particular guest. Our next guest has traveled all over the world performing as a pianist, keyboardist, vocalist, entertainer. You will see him all over the Columbus, Ohio music scene, performing and even teaching at the Ohio State University School of Music. And he is a two-time stuff. Not one. Nope. But two-time two. Emmy Award-winning composer and performer. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Dave Powers. Dave, sir. Hey, how's it going? Nice to uh, talk to you, Kevin and Stephanie. Yes. We are so happy to have you. We right. are so happy. So are you in town now or are you Currently on I'm the in road? Columbus, Ohio, yes. What is your schedule like? I mean, how many how many days on the road are you a year right now? Or what's been the most you've been on the road as a musician? Well, I you know, I don't count road time per se, you know, and I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many gigs I play a year. But I can say that I work almost every night. So, yeah, I mean, on average, seven, what, there's seven days in a week. I would say there's a good solid five that I'm working. Because, Steph, I was looking at his performance calendar. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he's right. I was was shocked the number of places he's at, whether it's high-end restaurants, corporate events, private events. Like, you're booked solid. I mean, it did look like probably five nights a week. Yeah, out through out through to at least June, it looked like. Yeah, well, there's dates beyond June too uh, that are probably not listed on the website yet. But I do keep my website uh, current every day. It's DavePowers.com, and that's the only way that I can keep my own schedule straight because uh, I put a little screenshot on my phone and people say, what are you doing a certain day? Well, let me look at my calendar. Right. So I look at my calendar every day to figure out what the heck I'm doing. Are you now a one-man show, or are you doing these gigs with other people? Uh, I do everything from solo to a six-piece band. So if I do something during the week on a steady basis, I call them bread and butter gigs. So if I have nothing else going, you know, I have steady engagements, and they are solo gigs for the most part because they are in venues that have uh, entertainment on a steady basis. And so they're pay, so to speak, isn't as high as doing a corporate event or a private party, but it's mm-hmm. steady money and it's good money. I wear a lot of different hats, as you know, uh, well, as you might have seen in my bio yes. or something. Some days I'm a performer and an entertainer, and some days I'm kind of like a lecturer and a teacher. <laughs> and some days I'm, you know, writing music for a company or something, and I'll write and record, produce, and I'll sell stuff to, uh, different companies or people that need something from jingles yep. to full-length songs well that's what i was going to ask is it like jingles like is there a jingle out there that's yours that people are like oh 
you know, they can memorize it. And they're like, that's, that's Dave Powers. That's his jingle. Uh, if you live in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh-huh. you can hear my jingle for Burger Boys uh, probably about 200 times a week. Really? Really? Can you sing it for us? <laughs> sure. <laughs> do it. Let's do it. Yes. You put him on the spot here. I guess he is professional. but <laughs> It's just, uh, let's see. It's just a little old place with a big old taste. Burger Boys, home of the free fries. That's really Im- yeah. impressive. The audio sounds better. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But they—it's the food, man. So when I'm driving, I drive twice a year down to Florida. Besides flying every month from Ohio, but I drive twice a year, and I always stop and see my buddy Andre, who runs Burger Boys in Knoxville. It's a one-off drive-through place. Really, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, and the food is amazing. Amazing. So I'm just as excited about his little business, and he's about to franchise soon. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, so I did a thing for him years ago. He had a he had a business called Buckeye Fried Chicken, and I did the jingle for that. And that was probably about twenty years ago or more. God, that was more than no, that was that was more than twenty years ago. That was on wow. Anyway, but that was homemade taste at a fast food pace. Buckeye. (laughs) What was really funny about that commercial? It was kind of a down home thing, and you know, it was a little bit of soulful place, and you know. And you would hear it on a station that played maybe angry teenage rock all day long, you know, and here, homemade taste at a fast food pace. So Dave, when you get a request for something like that, yeah, how, how long does it take you to put a jingle like that together? I'm assuming for a professional, I mean, it probably doesn't take you that long to put something together, but how, what's that process like? It usually doesn't take too long, but I'll have something yeah. in my head. The thing that helps me out is, well, first of all, the, the product, uh, the thing about the product. And I grew up, you know, with media in my head all you know day long. You know, I don't I don't watch much television anymore, but I watched a lot of TV growing up or a catchy slogan or a catchy jingle will always be in my head. And I have to I want to think about the catchiness of it. The other thing is the styles of music that people are looking for. It's important as a musician to know about different genres of music and to play it, to play them all convincingly. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm a rock and roller and I have to play jazz, well, I have to play jazz like I know how to play jazz. Right. You know, I mean, I consider myself more like a jazz musician guy, but. I do rock gigs. I play pop stuff. I do polka music. I do uh, funk music, every kind of thing. It's about knowing how that works. Yeah. I'm curious, Dave, in regards to once you're a professional and what's your practice like? Because when you do go into a group setting, you're working with musicians, professional musicians who are on the other side of the country. You don't get a whole lot of practice time with them. So when you go to a gig, what's, how do you practice with them? Because like you said, you may show up and you're like, oh, I got to play this genre tonight. Like, how does that work with trying to pick something up quickly with not a lot of practice with your, your group you, of musicians? Well, you don't practice, first of all. You know, if you do your <laughs> practicing, if you do your practicing, you know, they would know, they would let you know, do your practicing at home. So when you come to do the gig, or whatever, you're there for the rehearsal, you're basically doing a sound check, but you kind of know how it all works out already. Okay. They would have given you maybe at least a week notice 
a week's advance notice to, to get it together. But that's on you to get it together, you know, to be prepared. When it comes time to do corporate events and they need something on the fly, that's another thing. You, you, you get to create on the fly and you get to think about something. So I've had to do something like that. And it helps if you have a core group of musicians that have an open mind musically. Okay. You have to have an open mind to expect the unexpected. What's going to happen? I don't, you know, I don't know. I had an event for, I do a lot of work every now and then for direct sales, direct marketing companies. And one was their convention. They're a big company out of Utah and they have a big worldwide base. I mean, I won't mention the name of the product, whatever, but you know, 80% of their consultants are from the Pacific Rim. Okay. But you never know what to expect. I we did a regional convention in Hong Kong. But we brought oh, wow. our core yeah, we but we brought our core group of musicians from Columbus, Ohio. And they basically had about 23 or 24 Chinese pop songs that they wanted to do. <laughs> so you have to make it sound convincing and we were working with uh, I think a husband and wife duo from Taiwan. And they knew the songs, so but we didn't really have a rehearsal with them, so to speak. Now, I wanted to make the songs sound convincing. There okay. was a lot of electronics, a lot of sequence stuff, a lot of stuff that you know you program up in advance and fly it in from a laptop, and the band plays with the laptop, so it sounds right. big. Groups do that all the time now. You know, even if they need background vocals, they're going to fly it in off a computer. And there's something called a click track that goes like this that you follow the click track. So I had some extra stuff. So all the guys had to do was to play along. And I wrote some charts for them, which is like, you know, pieces of music for them to say, here, read the chart. Yep. And it worked out really well. I had no idea what they were singing, of course, but right. I just knew how the, the songs were. One song was uh, translated, it was called You Are My Flowers. I have no idea. Now, one other event on the same token was for the same company. They did a big uh, uh, national convention in Los Angeles. It had all these stars and it. it had all this stuff. I mean, it was a huge dog and pony show. And there were some things like um, as the music director, which is what I was, I wear a headset. Okay. Kind of like the headset well, we have you're here. wearing. Uh -huh. Yes. And I communicate with the, the producer in the back of the uh, hall. It could be a big convention hall or a big auditorium or a huge space. And he's making all the calls. So I communicate with him through my comm, yet I direct the band next to me. So okay. I'm singing, playing, communicating with them, oh, directing man. the band at the same time. I'm a multitasker. I'm getting it all done, you know. Or the, they'll we will play people on and off the stage. Okay. You might throw things off the top of our hat, kind of like Paul Schaefer used to do with Levy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, please welcome like at one of, at another one of these events. Uh, uh, it's terrible to mention the name Bill Cosby these days because of all the <laughs> problems he had, but this is when he was still, you know, revered, revered as whatever he was. So yes. Anyway, uh, he was a speaker, did 45 minutes. And, and so I figured, Hey, let's put him on and do the fat Albert theme. So, you know, <laughs> I had it all prepared, you know, so you, when you hear the, this, you know, please welcome Mr. Bill Cosby. And then you hear my cues go band and then I'll direct the band. And then out comes Cosby and Cosby was like, all right. Hey, you know, he liked it, which was fun because it put him on the spot. Who would expect the band would play, uh, you know, the fat Albert theme. 
But the other thing that went on the fly was uh, at the, the event in Los Angeles, uh, Michael Eisner was supposed to come out, who used to be okay. Disney. Yes. And he had just left Disney. So what are you going to play him on with? What kind of piece of music can you play Michael Eisner on that would identify? The first thing you think of is When You Wish Upon a Star. Right. That's a Disney song. Yes. And, and, then, I, and then the producer in the back of the house was – he was having some trouble that week anyway. It wasn't the best week for him. He was sort of struggling a little bit. But I hear as I'm playing When You Wish Upon a Star, as Eisner's making his way on the stage, he says, no Disney, no Disney. Oh, no. no. Disney. And I'm like, uh, a whole new world. Oh, shoot, oh, that's no. Disney too. <laughs> I can't win. And by this time, he's already on the stage. Now, it's, not, it's a minor detail. But, you know, when you're trying to do your best to make it a major, you know, Yes. I, you know, it's a major detail. You're going, oh, crap. You know, here he is, you know. But don't, you run into those things all the time. And that is purely on the fly. Like, that oh, is high oh. pressure. So, Steph, go ahead and ask Dave. Can I ask what, him? Yes. What okay. you've been so excited about. Okay. I want to know where you were at the moment you found out you had been nominated for your Emmys. Oh. Like, how does that work, Dave? Does your agent call you? Do you get an email? Are you watching TV? And they say Dave Powers? Like, how no, does that happen? Uh, it was a lot more simple than that. <laughs> it was a lot more simple. It wasn't like winning the lottery or anything like that. I, uh, the first Emmy I got was, um, was for work that I did for a show that was on public television called The Piano Guy. And the host of it, his name was Scott Houston, and he'd won a few Emmys for this show that we were on over 150 public television stations around the country. And uh, we did 12 seasons. So I was kind of wow. a consultant and a frequent guest on the show. And I did a little bit where I did a duet with myself with video trickery and everything. And we did that at a uh, production company here in Columbus called Mills James Productions. Uh, and I've done a lot of stuff with Mills James off and on for, you know, they do the Ohio lottery show and they do a lot of special events and corporate events too, you know, staging, lighting, okay. live sound production. And so that video was, you know, nominated for an Emmy and I got an Emmy for that video. So that was my wow. first Emmy. The second Emmy was, and this was more, I mean, it's, they are actual Emmys, but they're more of the Midwestern part of the United States Emmys, right? Okay. The second Emmy was for music that I did, and I recorded it at my house. Um, there was a documentary film about uh, television pioneer Ruth Lyons, who was from Cincinnati, and it was called Ruth Lyons, First Lady of Television. The, 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 it was a film. There were, and the film was nominated for seven Emmys. We won six out of seven. Wow. So I was notified by my two associates that made the film uh, that are from Cincinnati, David Ashbrock and Mark Magistrelli, who had worked on this for three years and scripted it and got interviews. And uh, it's a really nice piece of history. And Ruth Lyons was sort of like the Oprah Winfrey of her day. She was very powerful and had a very powerful fan base. 
She retired in 1967, and then Bob Braun took her place, who succeeded her. And I remember watching Bob Braun when I was a kid on TV. However, this film, uh, David Letterman is in the film, Johnny Mathis, Carol Channing, Phyllis Diller, John Davidson. Wow. People that were influenced by her show or were on her show, because whenever they went through the Cincinnati area, all the big stars would always be on Ruth's television show. I just did incidental music for the whole film, for the, you know, for the documentary, there's some piano stuff here and there. And uh, I was honored to, uh, to be included in that project. And that's so my what, second Emmy. What's the awards process like, right? So I know the second one you said, it's more like a Midwestern Emmy, but I was telling Steph, I'm like, can you imagine, I'm trying to envision myself as Dave, right? If I show up to an award ceremony, I'm like, Ellen's in my seat or some celebrity. <laughs> like, what is that? You no, know, like? I wish it was that big, but it was on a smaller scale. I say the most exciting part was I met George Clooney's dad. Oh, okay. But he he's like, from Cincinnati, right? His name is Nick Clooney. Yeah, he has a name, Nick Clooney, and he doesn't like to be called George's dad. <laughs> I found out. I want to know where your Emmys are at right now. They're in a box upstairs. Oh, no. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say that. I would have those like in a trophy case as soon as you For walk in the house yes. or mantle. Yes, Dave, pull them out. Dave, the picture I, uh, you have with like two, uh, there's two awards in your hand. I'm like, that's pretty. Yeah, right I don't have a mantle big enough to uh, put those out. I will as soon as I get a, a clear case to put them in. I'll do them, but they're you, I mean, even if you just want to like hold them all the time, that would be fine. I'd be walking to Target would, with them. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold my Emmy. Hold my Emmy while I get grab my groceries, please. <laughs> I have to wear protective gloves, though. So, do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get your handprints on it. It's actual bronze or whatever. Okay. Oh, ask him the one question about his hands. Oh yes, I was okay. telling stuff again. I'm trying to think like if I am if I'm Dave Powers, <laughs> and I am a professional musician. I am doing everything in my power. I guess no pun intended here. <laughs> To protect the money makers, my fingers, my hands. Have you had any issue? Like I would not be, I wouldn't be ha- giving a handshake to anybody. I wouldn't be like swinging a hammer. You're not going to see me doing construction. Like really? Do you, do you do anything like dry cracked, to make <laughs> dry cracked to, and blistered? How you like <laughs> hand nails? How about how about uh, no? I, um, hands are doing good. No, I don't have them insured. On a simpler scale, you know, I don't have anyone carry my gear for me. I carry it all by myself. But it's my exercise program. Okay. Besides walking three to five miles every morning. I take care of my hands as best as possible. I do have to admit, though, after being in my business for uh, 40 years, I'm starting to feel a little arthritic, something in my okay. thumbs. Mm-hmm. It comes and goes. But aside from that, yes, you have to, like, I don't play basketball anymore not that i ever played a lot of basketball right time i did you stub your finger and you're going ah you know Mm. yeah so that's that's very important can you tell us favorite performance you've ever had or the person that you were performing for that just it was on your most memorable yes one of my highlights was that los angeles gig the corporate event gig because Mm -hmm. i got to play with some great, like Gladys Knight was there. Really? And she was, and uh, Peebo Bryson and Sandy Patty did a duet together. 
and there was a drunk Debbie Reynolds was at the game. <laughs> did her thing. She, I was, I got to play with a forty-seven piece orchestra. Oh my god! And gosh. she was singing some song, and like during the live performance that night, she totally uh, flubbed everything up, and she was trying to blame us for it. But it, it's one woman versus a forty-seven piece orchestra right. that's yep. watching a conductor who are sober. <laughs> Yeah, for the most part, right. We were. And I uh, I have the DVD of that performance, which was fun. And there's two other ones that were fun. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of Grand Funk Railroad, Mark Farner, along with all my jazz stuff, along with everything else. I'm, I've been a record collector my whole life. But my one of my good friends was Mark Farner's keyboard player, and he couldn't make this certain gig. And it was in Chattanooga. Well, I couldn't make... They usually show up the night before and check in and whatever. But I had a gig the night before, so I, I, I'm not about to miss that. So I flew in the day of. Okay. Talk about no rehearsal. Right. There was no rehearsal. Absolutely oh. not. But I listened to all the songs that they wanted, and I wrote my own charts. I had my, my legal pad of stuff, and then I just with pieces of duct tape, duct taped into the keyboard, and it worked. And then what oh. I didn't know that was kind of cool for me is uh, the big hit grand funk had was we're an American band, but Mark Farner was the lead singer. The drummer sang the vocal on that. Oh my gosh. Wow. So That's Farner, rare. Yeah. So Farner didn't sing the vocal. The keyboard player always did. So I got to sing, you know, we're an American band with Mark Farner. I'm like, yeah, man, this is so much fun. <laughs> and here is the bonus. This was at a festival. There was about 400,000 people at this festival, River Bend Festival. It was um, probably about 12, 13 years ago. They made a DVD for something. And this guy that produced and made the DVD was coming to Columbus, Ohio to do some stuff for our uh, WOSU television. And I have a friend of mine that works for WOSU. So I was doing a house concert at my... Uh, the last 10 years, we stopped doing them, but I was doing a concert at my house called the House Jazz Concert Series. We had between 50 to 80 people here at oh, wow. Columbus House. Yeah, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But arriving there was my friend Patrick and this guy who did the Riverbend video. And I said, you got a copy of the DVD with you? He says, yes. And I'm like, I'm in the video. Really? And we're an American band. Just by a fluke, it was that one gig that I did with Farner that showed up and and there was a thing where Farner said, you know, now the keyboard player, you know, he, he couldn't make it the night before. He showed the day of, you know, Day Powers from Columbus, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, he just, he was, he said, you know, no rehearsal or anything like that, but he said, but it worked. Man. That's awesome. So that was good. And my other one that I'll always remember too is uh, for the couple months I played with trumpeter Arturo Sandoval. Okay. That was fun. That was uh over 20 years ago, we did France, Germany, Finland, Puerto Rico, and Grenada, all in the course of two months. Wow. And he was, uh, he's a phenomenal musician. He's the only guy I've ever seen that, plays a, that could play a trumpet without a mouthpiece out of the corner of his mouth like this. What? Yeah. But talk about the music. The music was intense, uh, and the music was a little tough at times, and sometimes I felt like I was getting my butt kicked, but I was very excited to be a part of of that scene so i've been able to do a lot of a lot of stuff Gosh. playing latin it, jazz music to doing mark you know grand funk stuff right love it dave it it would take 
a certain personality, mm-hmm. a certain demeanor to be able to do what you do because the stuff you're talking about would stress me out. Like showing up at a gig, not, not for, having yeah. not having rehearsal. Mm-mm. Hey, I'm making up. Let's play this Disney song for Michael Eisner on the fly. Oh, wait, no. Okay, let's go to another song. Like live, high pressure situations. Yeah. Like high pressure. I would be sweating. I'd be sweating it out. There's no, I, my demeanor, I could not do that, Dave. Mm-mm. No way. Takes That's, a special personality. And, and maybe just the experience, too, that he knows what he's doing. But mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. Well, it's good to have a cachet of music under your belt. Something you can do that's called when you're playing, you know, like in the award ceremonies, if they talk too long and there's a music that starts. Playing, yes. Yes. Called that's underscore. your cue. Yep. And uh, also, if you're doing some underscore while someone's busy talking, you know, if it's too dry, you know, hey, let's put some music under it, make it interesting. So the fact to do that is, I would say it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's in my wheelhouse. So it's what I do. Mm-hmm. It's my job. It's what I do. But a lot of people don't, can't do it. Right. You know, they might just play chords with no melody or pattern, but you have to play little melodies and stuff. Johnny Costa, who was the music director for Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, you know, while Mr. Rogers was talking his mellow talk and everything, Johnny would be in the background playing some piano or celeste, and he, it was very tasty, but he knew exactly kind of how to transition things like that one into the other, and that's kind of what I do. Right. So I had a, one other memorable gig was with uh, Steve Allen. This was years ago. Steve wow. Allen was the original host of The Tonight Show, Yes. and he was a, a composer. He composed over 3,000 songs. He was an author. And he did a corporate event in Columbus for a company. This was back in 1991. There was a big band. There were two pianos, Steve's and my piano. And then Steve told me exactly what he wanted. He said, I don't want this jazz thing in the background. I don't want just chords. I don't want you to sound like pianist Bill Evans or you know, blah, 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 blah. I want melodies. I want stuff. And basically, I just want you to make me laugh. So while he was doing a monologue, you know, one thing that I have to my credit going for me is I know a lot of songs. Okay. I know a hell of a lot of songs. It's because I've been collecting records my whole life. I've been listening to a lot of music and I just acquired a vast Rolodex library yeah. in my head of songs. So when something reminds me of a song, I'm going to whip into it. Somebody's talking about their dog. So I'm like, Oh, where, Oh, where's my little dog? Dog? Da, 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 okay. da, da, da. You know, if people are old off the cuff, remember that song right off the cuff stuff. That's what it's all about. So my job was to make him laugh and it was, he liked it because I played, you know, some stuff and, you know, I got a chuckle out of him and it was good because it was keeping him stimulated while he was okay. monologuing. That's a unique, very unique skill set. Gift. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, so looking at your schedule and of course I would highly recommend people go to DavePowers.com and check out his performance schedule coming up, but do. you're on the Buckeyes Cure for Cancer. Oh, yeah, the Buckeye uh, Cruise for Cancer. Cruise for Cancer, up. yes. Buckeye Coming up in, in February. February 16th through the 21st. So on on that, do you – I mean, you've, I, I, I saw you. You've done that before. But do you actually yeah. get to enjoy yourself, right? Because – Oh, yeah. Do you, Or is it you're having to play the entire time? You're playing piano at the pool or somebody's asking, hey, can you play me a song? Can you, how, how does that work? My wife and I get to go, which is wonderful. And that the perk is that we get to, you know, basically go for free. We raise a lot of money, which is great. We raise, hopefully we'll raise 4 million this year for cancer research. Oh my gosh. Wow. So 
Yeah, last year we did, I think, 3.2. And this is the third Buckeye Cruise for me. And I'm happy to be a part of, of the Buckeye Cruise. You know, once you're in, you're in. Okay. I do work hard, but I'll do, but I don't have to work the whole time. I get to enjoy some time during the day. Most of the stuff is at night, but there's a day where we're going to take, we're going to be off at uh, this year, Coco K. And, you know, I'll probably do like a, a 90 minute set on Coco K. And this is the, for the Buckeye Cruise, I think it's their 13th one, which is really great. I'm just really happy to be a part of it. And it's a nice perk because, it turns out into like a little paid vacation, if you will. Right. Uh, another thing that's a fun thing that's like a paid vacation, I have to tell you, is uh, what I've been doing with my drummer friend, Louis Chamoose. We do a duo thing, and it's in Tecate, Baja, California, Mexico, called Rancho La Puerta. Okay, and what and, is this? Well, it's a resort and spa Okay. that has people go there for you know a week at a time or eight days or they'll go for the weekend they have entertainment on the ranch or presenters so they might have a famous author okay. or a or a you know a musical group or some other person that teaches tai chi or something like that i mean they have a few guests that stay now they don't get paid we don't get paid but we stay for free for eight right. days and this is about you know, it's a little over six grand per person a week to stay there. Oh, wow. Man. And you have everything included, like your food and your lodging and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, we have to pay for our own plane flight. So Louis and I are presenters. And during an eight-day stint, we do a one-hour set on Tuesday and a one-hour set on Thursday. That's it. That's, oh a good, that's, a good, that's a good gig. That's and, what we call a deal. And Dave doesn't rehearse either. So and you know, what even, two hours. you know what even sucks about that is we have to do it again the following week. <laughs> so it's two weeks. Rinse and repeat. And uh, That sounds amazing. I'm going to put in a plug for, for my much better half. Speaking <laughs> of resorts and spas. Yes. She, uh, her name is Annette Franks. Okay. And her website is AnnetteFranks.com. And in August of this year, and every year she does life enrichment retreats in Costa Rica. So this year it's August 22nd through the 29th at a place called Pura Vida Resort and Spa in Costa Rica. And that's one thing that, that I get to tag along to. Well, Dave, we want to be respectful of your time. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much for taking the time to join us here on Tell Us a Good Story. That was awesome. Thank well, you, sir. I have many stories, and thank you for uh, inviting me to your podcast. It's an honor. Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie? They can go to kevinandsteph.com. That's all I know. So, is that it? You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners.